This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. Once upon a time, there lived a king in his huge kingdom. We all have grown up listening to stories. Stories are everywhere. We experience it every day in different avatars. And we as marketers, storytellers, know the impact stories can create for brands. And after all, storytelling is all about creativity. Hi everyone, this is Madhulika, your host for Brewing Talks. And in today's episode, I will converse with a well-known filmmaker and a storyteller himself, Naveen Chhatapuram. Welcome to the show, Naveen. Naveen is joining us straight from Chicago. Hi, Madhulika. It's uh, great to be here and uh, I'm excited for this uh, conversation. Same here, Naveen. Same here. Uh, Naveen is uh, the founder of Immortal Thoughts, a Chicago-based uh, film and television production company. He has spent several years working in production for various independent films, commercials and music. Naveen has recently directed his first feature film, The Last Victim, expected to release worldwide this summer. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting conversation. You are passionate about storytelling, Naveen. So let's start this conversation uh, uh, with knowing about more about your journey in the world of storytelling and filmmaking. Absolutely. My earliest recollection of a story is when uh, my mom or my uh, grandparents used to tell me stories hmm. um, of Indian uh, mythologies. Uh, right. So story has been part of uh, my life um, ever since. And it opens up a world within you uh, where you can close your eyes and you can imagine uh, the world. Right. So for some reason, I've been attracted to it uh, since a very young age. Okay. Okay. That's great. So how did, how did filmmaking happen for you? How did, how did you enter into this in, uh, industry? Uh, tell us a little more about that. Absolutely. So, um, I think again, uh, growing up, I was exposed to a lot of storytelling, uh, but mm -hmm. also a lot of, movies. uh, my mom and dad, they were, uh, you know, they were connoisseurs of, uh, films. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when I was about five or six years old, my dad took me to, uh, the first Hollywood film that I saw, uh, which was called absent minded professor. Mm -hmm. And, okay. uh, and it was about this professor who accidentally has a discovery about this anti-gravity substance. It looks like tar, but mm -hmm. whatever you apply to uh, the thing loses gravity and, and they float up in the air. Okay. Uh, and I remember having a lot of fun watching that film. It was like a black and white film, probably even from the 30s. Okay. Uh, and then later on, what he ended up doing was he was you know, taking me to... Uh, second run, third run films that were running in a small town in Kerala. Uh, so mm -hmm. we, we would go watch like uh, First Blood. Uh, I was probably too young to watch First Blood. Uh, I remember watching The Dirty Dozen. I remember watching okay. a lot of um, Laurel and Hardy, Charlie Chaplin. Uh, right. But, but with that, I was also exposed to, you know, the Malayalam and Tamil films of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I moved to the US uh, when I was 12 years old, one of the biggest things like, you know, it's a cultural shock and uh, it's a new environment. Your friends are back in India mm -hmm. and things like that. So one of the things that, um, you know, you 
leaned on to get away from uh, reality is uh, watching a lot of films. Right. And right. because of the time that I moved, uh, you know, one of the unique things that I tell people that I have is, uh, you know, I can watch uh, an American film as an American. Um, mm -hmm. I can watch uh, uh, Indian film as an Indian. And, you know, sometimes even specific films like a Malayalam film as a Keralite and a Tamil film as a Tamilian, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so what happens is I, I get to watch it subjectively versus um, objectively. But there's also another advantage that comes from it where I can watch it uh, from an outside perspective as well. I can turn on that outsider perspective and all of a sudden right. I can watch all those film from that. So mm -hmm. I think uh, once I leaned into uh, watching these films and TV shows and things like that, the automatic journey was you started questioning. Um, mm -hmm. I think for a period of time, I, I did not know that there's a director behind it. I thought, I think early on, I thought they were capturing life as it was or mm -hmm. it were. And then later on, someone said, uh, man, the directing was good. And then I started wondering what a director does. And, and that curiosity, uh, I think ultimately led me uh, to, you know, seek a career mm -hmm. in filmmaking. I went to cool. film school and, and okay. took that journey. Wow, interesting. So uh, tell me something, Naveen, is storytelling a science or an art? I think ultimately storytelling is life, I would say. You know, okay. I think we live our stories in this planet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you ask the next layer of storytelling, I think it is art. Because, mm -hmm. you know, art is expression. You're expressing um, your interpretation hmm. of your experiences. So whatever you hmm. experience, um, how you interpret, in my opinion, is um, art. And mm -hmm. then, but when you, when you dissect it further, there's a science to it as well. Right. You know, there's a right. technique to it. There's, uh, uh, there are elements to it. So for me, ultimately it's life. And then, um, it is art, but then there's a science to it as well. Okay, great. Now, uh, further deep diving into the world of storytelling, uh, you know, so we are seeing immense change in it, changes in a lot of things, right? Technology is uh, changing literally every day with the advent of digital media now. So has the concept of storytelling or rather how has the concept of storytelling evolved with time? What changes have you witnessed over the years, Naveen, in terms of, you know, the way storytelling used to be earlier uh, versus what it is today in terms of different mediums uh, with, the, with the growth of digital media? You know, what are the changes you're witnessing in this area? Absolutely. Um, so in my opinion, and I think, you know, I've learned from the masters uh, mm -hmm. that storytelling was a way for humans um, to propagate uh, to uh, make sure that there's a continuity of their experience through generations. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, if we go back to the earliest generations of uh, storytellers, what they were doing was they were uh, figuring out how to uh, make sure that the future generations had uh, a capsule through which they could actually see what the earlier generations went through. And mm -hmm. I think if it was just written as history, a lot of it would have disappeared. But once you put it into a, a story format where there are characters, uh, mm -hmm. characters who live through circumstances and, you know, 
uh, and their environment and the setting, what happens is now this takes on a form where, uh, you know, the story lives on for generations. Mm -hmm. Um, I think later on what happened was, you know, after sunset, you know, there's, uh, there's, uh, danger, um, and a lot of earlier tribes, they used to put, you know, campfires and they used to, uh, tell stories, you know, just to entertain each other. So I think it went from propagation of, uh, cultural and, uh, and experiences that you had as a society to, uh, a form of entertainment where, uh, whether, whether it's telling stories of the unknown or Mm -hmm. whether it's stories of, uh, you know, great wars from the past or, uh, you know, creatures that live, you know, in, you know, in the wild or, 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 you know, personifications of those things in different ways. Right. Um, I think, you know, as we all know, uh, then it turned into like, you know, folk art, whether it's, you know, performance arts or, um, you know, later on it became theater. And I think the, in the 20th century, the avatar that it took on was, uh, was motion pictures. Right. You know, the second you were able to capture pictures in motion and, and then you were able to add sound to it and then you were able to add like performance to it. What happened was it gave a new dimension for people to, uh, uh, watch stories. So when Mm -hmm. I go back to Robert McKee, Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he said something like story is, um, a metaphor for life story Yeah. And, and when you go to theater or film, you're actually uh, learning without mm-hmm. being taught. Uh, Correct. And artists yes. or storytellers, they are in a way people who experience life, they observe life, and they have something to say about what they've experienced. Right? Correct. So Correct. now coming back to your question, so so we all grew up with these films and these films, you know, uh, influenced us individually. Mm-hmm. And they influenced us uh, from a societal point of view. It influences society. So watching certain type of films, mm-hmm. uh, it, it creates a movement, you know, initially psychologically, but then from a, uh, from a greater mass perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so any um, influences we had from film, you know, became choices for us to like, uh, when we are faced with a tough choice in our life, we use that uh, to interpret it and to help us make certain choices or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Now, with the advent of digital, the interesting thing that's happened is uh, it's opened up, like especially with the Internet, with social media, with the devices and mm-hmm. the type of quality that is being produced. Uh, it's turned everybody into a storyteller. And Correct. now everybody Every individual, you know, with motion pictures, what was happening was, you know, you needed the money, the infrastructure, uh, right. the influence for you to go make a film and then be able to go go to an audience um, mm-hmm. to the theaters or television to actually tell your story. But right. now what's happening is a kid who is uh, six years old from his mm-hmm. living room, any part of the globe mm-hmm. is able to tell a story uh to, to a mass or to a specific audience mm-hmm. in any other part of the world because, you know, they have the ability uh, and enabled by technology. So I think True. from that manner, it's started a global uh, conversation 
and and global storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, it's uh, borders are disappearing. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, before, if you look at it, right, like a mm-hmm. village would have their own story. Uh, so even if a state or a country have their own nationality, their own culture, their own, um, you know, uh, traditions, mm-hmm. you know, it pretty much remained in that unless it broke out of there and, and went to different um, continents. Mm-hmm. However, now what's happening is, you know, the borders are removed where, uh, you know, a kid from uh, a small town in the U.S. is probably able to communicate to a mass audience in China or mm-hmm. a kid, vice versa, right? Like from China, they're able to get a specific audience from um, different parts of the world where I think if you look at any time in history, mm-hmm. that was that was possible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so the good part is that, yes, uh, you know, people are coming closer, the communities are coming closer, the cross-cultural, cross-border. But tell me something, is the exclusivity of, or rather the beauty of storytelling somewhere getting diluted? As you said, today, everybody can share their stories online. It's so easy. You just pick up a phone, create a video or just do whatever. Even for that matter, when you talk about the growing influencer-based content, you know, that's there on social media that we see today. Uh, Do you feel that the exclusivity and the and the whole you know just waiting to listen to interesting stories whether it's coming from brands whether it's coming from individuals or whoever or from movies do you think it's somewhere getting a little diluted today naveen i think the answer is uh, yes and no uh, mm-hmm. and in my opinion and it's just my opinion right mm-hmm. uh, i look at it as a cyclical uh, it, it is very cyclical right so growing up, uh, even though, it, you know, I grew up in a time when television was uh, actually breaking out in India. And by the time I came to the U.S., I mean, you know, television had been here for four or five decades. So it was almost uh, ubiquitous um, right. uh, medium. Uh, however, like I remember the pocket radio was still uh, a thing, um, you know, when I was growing up in a small town in Kerala. And mm-hmm. I remember... Uh, some of my uncles listening to the audio version of movies, right? You know, uh, they, they would have missed that movie in theater, but through All India Radio or whatever it is, they would listen to just the audio version of uh, a movie. And right. that was a different experience because, you know, you're imagining the characters, you're imagining the scenes. Uh, it happens in your mind versus the audio is just a guide that takes you through it. But mm-hmm. when television came, what happened was, you know, you go went away from it and then there was a um, oversaturation and it continues to be right. Like there's an oversaturation of television and things like that. But as you can see, uh, when it came to podcasts, now mm-hmm. people are going back to the pocket radio. Right. Right. It's like right. they find uh, that, hey, you know, the same interview. And, and I found this. I saw this interview with uh, Joe Rogan and Elon Musk, and it was a very popular interview and I experienced it on a podcast for the first time mm-hmm. and I enjoyed uh, that podcast immensely uh, however then I mm-hmm. had the opportunity to watch it on YouTube mm-hmm. and the second I saw it on YouTube it actually took uh, it actually went down a couple of notch for me because now mm-hmm. I was True. distracted by uh, their expressions and distracted by whereas in the podcast I was you know very uh you know, attentive to what they had mm-hmm. to say. 
Absolutely. But, so I think now coming back to your question, I do think I think it's a great thing, right? Like, you know, when there's a churning of ideas, when there's a huge global churn of ideas that's being, you know, produced by, uh, you know, billions of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I know while, you know, some of the messages being scattered and all those things, I think what's happening is there's a there's a churn of ideas. There is, you know, things that are that would be stagnated and everything like that is put in the mix. And I think from this now, what's going to happen is I think it's going to get fragmented to a pointed point where people are going to be looking for uh, exclusive stories. They're going to look mm-hmm. for elevated stories. They're going to look for curated stories. And I right. think it's going to come right. back to quality again. Uh, but because of the uh, churning that we went through mm-hmm. uh, last decade or whatever it is and continuing to happen, I think there'll be many interesting stories that would come out of it that would not have, you know, without this global exchange of ideas. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I, what you just said also about the podcast is actually uh, so relevant because when you talk about storytelling and you, you just cannot ignore the beauty of what podcasts can do to, you know, you're listening and, you know, you can just go on and on from there. Yes. I mean, uh, that's, that's where, and from there, Naveen, I come to the point uh, of uh, OTT platforms, right? So you in fact founded Bollyverse, right? Uh, which is an online streaming platform. And I think, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, that it actually streamed in 177 countries. That's correct. Right. So uh, with this whole growth of OTT platforms, uh, you know, uh, we we know so many names, right? We can kind of uh, name a few. I can just think of Netflix as one of my personal favorite. So tell me, is storytelling taking a different shape with the help of uh, OTT platforms growing, you know, year on year? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think, look, uh, first you had, uh, motion pictures, right. And, uh, mm. you know, they were uh, projected through film, um, and they shine a light through, um, this emulsion and, and it projects on the screen and they figured out a way to propagate it by creating theaters and making prints of these films that they can send worldwide. And as long as you project uh, light through uh, the film and you're able to, uh, play the audio through that magnetic tape or uh, whatever the technology was at the time, um, mm-hmm. you were able to project it to the audience worldwide. Uh, with the advent of television, what happened was, uh, you know, now you were able to send it through a signal. And as long as you can pick it, um, you know, through an antenna uh, mm-hmm. at your home, you're able to watch it. And I think the revolution of cable um, and satellite that we saw uh, about 20 years ago, or maybe even 30 years ago now, mm-hmm. uh, is what's happening through the OTT. I think cable brought in an entirely uh, new channel in the sense that instead of having like one or two channels that was going on, now you have 30 or 40 mm-hmm. channels that uh, was providing content and you were able to curate it. Like, you know, you had uh, your sports curation, mm-hmm. you had right. a film curation, and then you had your TV series uh, then, then you had your um, reality shows or whatever it is, right? Um, but I think the OTT is the next generation of that. Um, and 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 to get to your question, um, and I'm talking specifically for film here, uh, mm-hmm. and then I'll t- touch on a little bit about uh, television as well. Sure. I think the exciting thing about um, the OTT, there are multiple exciting things about the OTT, 
But one of the exciting things is um, from a business standpoint, studios, uh, when they make a $100 million film, mm. uh, they have to spend another $100 million in marketing, uh, typically. True. So, right. so when you make the, uh, the Avengers or whatever it is, uh, they make 200, they make um, uh, a film for $100 million. They, they spend another $100 million. And by the time they break even, they have to spend $400 million um, in tickets. Right. Mm, because, you know, the yeah. get the first half of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens is when you make a movie like that, before they see a penny in profit, uh, mm-hmm. the studio has to sell $400 million in tickets. Whereas mm-hmm. for a Netflix or an Amazon or a Disney Plus, you know, it's a it's a different uh, scenario altogether. Right. Uh, what they have, is they have I'm, I'm just generalizing here. They have let's say someone pays $10 million, I mean, $10 in subscription mm. mm-hmm. and they have a uh, hundred million subscribers and then they're making a uh, billion dollars a month in subscription revenue. And that right. makes it $12 billion, um, you know, that they're making a year. What right. they say is I'm going to say, I'm going to spend $6 billion in content and whether, you know, they get all the hundred million uh, users to watch that film on the first day does not matter uh, because all they're trying to do is make sure that they continue to increase their user base while mm-hmm. not losing their user base. So Netflix's and Amazon's biggest scare is that I, as a subscriber, unsubscribe. Mm-hmm. So if they're not giving me content that mm-hmm. keeps me engaged, uh, so it changes the uh, the the equation completely. But but because of that, what's happening is they're able to take risks with content mm. that mm. typically a studio is not able to take. So what's happening mm. is they're finding niche audience, right? True. Where true. studio is looking for broad audience. Mm-hmm. Netflix made for uh, 18 to 25 year olds who watch a particular type of films. Mm-hmm. And as long as they keep that uh, segment of the audience happy, they're willing to make that film. And then they judge the budget based on, the weight that that audience have, True. you know, in the whole subscri- subscription base. Mm, um, mm. The another thing that we're seeing is, uh, you know, like we saw. I mean, and I'm not, I'm not the first one to say it. I mean, you know, hundreds of people have said it already. But it's mm-hmm. the binge watching, right? Like so. Yeah. Before, you know, TV series had a hook, and they wanted you to come back over and over and over again, week after week, or month after month, or year after year. Mm-hmm. Um, the same, you know, the same situation is happening, but I think, you know, now there's a mini series or even extended series is like Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones or, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever it is like where, uh, you know, some people wait out seasons. They're like, look, I'm going to wait, you know, the first three years out of this and then binge watch it because, you know, I don't want to wait every year for this. Or sometimes mm-hmm. it's a crazy you binge watch it and then you're waiting the next year uh, to watch it. So I think until that point in time, uh, maybe people used to get like DVDs, mm-hmm. like, you know, season of DVDs and watch it. But I, I don't think it was a mass uh, phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And the third aspect of this is, you know, I think certain exclusive paths uh, that were available for only the bigger films, like, for example, like Titanic right. uh, played, play, right? Uh, an avatar played globally uh, mm-hmm. and the Avengers played globally. However, nowadays what you're seeing is uh, 
movies like The White Tiger or Extraction mm -hmm. or even some obscure films, mm -hmm. uh, I think in the US, uh, Nomad Lands, it's not obscure by any means, right? But mm -hmm. it would not have had that kind of a, uh, an audience immediately. But on day one, you know, people in Cambodia, people in uh, uh, Singapore, people mm -hmm. in India are watching it on the same day as people in the US or the main market and vice True. versa. You right. know, like I say, right. games comes out in India and on the same day, someone in Michigan, mm -hmm. uh, you know, are scrolling through their Netflix and see sacred games and they're watching it on the same day. So I think right. it has like created this, uh, I, I would call it like democratization where, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's, uh, you know, the content is made for an indie that's made in an obscure country uh, for $50,000 or if it's made for $125,000, it's, mm. you know, it's sort of leveled the playing field as long as, uh, there's word of mouth as long as the recommendation engines are pushing it, um, mm -hmm. you know, people watch it worldwide. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, also, I guess the OTT platforms, what are they are actually offering you is the customization of content, right? As what you mm -hmm. rightly said, that it, it shows you what you want to see at the end of the day. And that's the success that defines the success ratio of, of that particular channel, right? So yes. and I guess that's where storytelling is becoming more customized as compared to a very universal appeal, which, which used to be there earlier as such. Um, right. So, Naveen, now if we... We, we spoke about, you know, how storytelling, the whole concept started and how it's kind of taken on from with the growth of digital media. And now with this whole OTT growth happening uh, from your experience and rather immense experience in the area of filmmaking or theater. Uh, can you can you tell us how can brands right like learn from from the concept of creativity in storytelling? How can they? So we have enough examples if i specifically talk about india right or rather even globally we have enough examples of how beautifully uh, the different brand commercials are created around the simple concept of storytelling right it, it's all like if you're talking about emotional connect with your audience you, you have to come to the fact that it's going to happen only with the help of storytelling effective storytelling so what yes. can brands learn from you know, how storytelling has been used in film or theater or commercial space overall. Yes. So I have to be honest with you, um, brand and marketing is not my forte, but I'll try sure. to take a step at this question uh, from a filmmaker or a, a storyteller. Right. So I think uh, ultimately, um, as we talked about, right, storytelling is making a connection uh, with the audience, right? And, mm -hmm. and the audience gets connected by either empathetically or uh, sympathetically, mm -hmm. you know? So when we watch, watch a film where, you know, we are in the shoes of the character and the character is making uh, certain choices mm -hmm. uh, based on some circumstance, we are, you know, empathetic. And, and, and if you're empathetic in a positive way, then, you know, uh, you know, we, we like the character, but if, if we're, rejected by the character's uh, choices, then they become the villain. And, and we're, we, um, we take that character in a, in the opposite way, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in a sympathetic way, when we're watching like some things like James Bond or some of these superhero films and things like that, 
you know, right. we can't empathize with it, but, but we are enchanted or, uh, we're charmed by these characters that do large in life things and things like mm. that. And I think True. with brand two, uh, you know, when they personalize, you know, the best advertisements or the best things that we connect to are when we can empathize with a character mm-hmm. that's related to the brand or, mm-hmm. or, uh, something regarding their storytelling, um, that, that, uh, relates to the, ba- uh, brand. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and once we connect to it, then, then we have this emotional, like you said, there's an emotional connect to it. And right. one of the things I remember is like probably a decade ago, there were, uh, these Geico, uh, uh insurance ads in the U S where mm-hmm. the entire campaign, um, was about, we all do stupid things, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but getting car insurance is not, uh, sh- you know, shouldn't be one of those stupid things because by making a call, you can get 15% off in 15 minutes or less or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But the commercial had, uh, these characters doing stupid things and, uh, they were all like unique, uniquely stupid things, but you can relate to it. But because of that, you have this connect to the brand. And mm-hmm. I think another thing, and not to endorse any brands, I'm just, you know, uh, bringing it up because, you know, these are things that come mm-hmm. to your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing is the idea, uh, you know, when I, when I used to visit India, when I was watching TV, you know, the idea, uh, cell phone company, when they did their branding, you right. know, they had a type of storytelling and, and it stays with you way after, you know, you've, um, pretty much, uh, left that experiences. And I think right. on one of the uh, podcasts, I actually listened to one of the podcasts where you had, uh, you know, someone who was talking about marketing and, and he was saying that, look, a lot of people could be familiar with the brand. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think he was talking specifically about Cadbury or something like that. And he said, okay, look, everybody in India knew about Cadbury's. Right. Mm-hmm. But when it came to a festival situation, right. um, we're not buying Cadbury's. So when they went and asked the customer, like, Hey, why are you not buying it? Because it's not on the top of your mind. So mm-hmm. how could we use storytelling, mm. um, so they, they figured out a way to use storytelling to right. uh, get to their top of their mind. And I think now more than ever for brands and um, advertisers, I think it's a more creative time because, you know, you have uh, a multitude of platforms. You mm-hmm. have a multitude of, uh, you know, avenues, right? Like you have your Instagram, like you said, you know, mm-hmm. they, can, they can figure out a branded content uh, for an influencer, uh, specifically in Instagram. And that could be from <clears throat> a fitness coach to a, a musician, uh, mm-hmm. to whatever it is. But then if you go to the next level of it, now they're talking about, uh, branded content, um, you know, for, uh, a specific, you know, so they're creating like these TV shows that are branded, you know, mm-hmm. or they're having these reality to- shows that are branded. So there are different ways, you know, brand can, uh, influence, and I, I don't right. really remember, but I was watching a movie and I think it was even a big blockbuster movie mm-hmm. and they had, uh, and it was a comedy, Okay. but there were like three moments in the movie. They literally had a line. Uh, and I know before it was like more subtle where the main lead will say, Hey, can I get you a Coke or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. But I, in this particular film, I was actually taken aback for a second because I'm a filmmaker uh, mm-hmm. And I was very aware of it, but it was a very clever way of incorporating these brands into mm. film. 
And uh, I, I thought I thought it was really interesting. So I think it's an exciting time for um, advertisers and uh, these brand managers uh, mm-hmm. because you know they have a million different uh, portals and avenues where you know before they had limited. They had magazine. They had billboards. Hmm. They had right vision and maybe some films. But mm-hmm. now um, now I think it is a way for them to open up their creativity. Uh, to the max. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, you said it so well. I mean, and I think when we talk about brands, uh, you know, as marketers, we always say that brands are, you know, are like humans, right? They carry emotions and that's how they are able to connect with its audience. So if they are like humans, then we have to relate uh, humans with stories, right? Humans can not be without stories. So I think that's a pretty integral part of, you know, how we look at it. Um, so Naveen, let me ask you one more thing now. Uh, Post-COVID, a lot of things have changed, right? So rather we not yet come out of COVID situation, but let's see what happened last year, right? So a lot of ways of, you know, how we look at content, how we look at what, what are we consuming as content rather, you know, somewhere, some things around that has also evolved uh, or rather yes. I should ask you that has it evolved, right? And if yes, then in what direction uh, do you see uh, even from a filmmaking content perspective, you know, do you see some things which were missing earlier is now going to be embedded in this area further, you know, so I just need a, a perspective from your end on this part. Absolutely. Um, so I think one of the things, and I've um, talked about this um, previously, one of the things that has definitely um, shifted during COVID is, you know, when everyone were under lockdown, uh, there was mm-hmm. a great demand for content. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, so it accelerated the consumption of co- content from theatrical to right. uh, these OTT right. platforms by uh, probably about five, 10 years. Yes. Um, so I think it's shifted that business in, in a, in a really big way. Um, so it created a great demand for content. Um, but also, again, I said, you know, there's a great churn of content. So, you know, platforms are running out of things to show and audience members. So I have friends who went through, um, everything that they wanted to watch on all the major platforms like Netflix, Amazon, uh, Hulu, uh, mm-hmm. Disney plus all these mm-hmm. channels. And then they were like, you know, we don't know what to watch anymore. And what they were doing was they subscribed to um, a platform called Acorn. And typically what Acorn does is it takes English language content from globally, like Australian, Mm -hmm. New Zealand, from um, England, Mm -hmm. Ireland, things like that, and puts it for the U.S. audience. Right. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden they completely shifted their focus to that kind of content where they were watching now English content that that is being generated um, outside the U.S., so I think what COVID uh, COVID has done is it it, it basically has revolutionized um, and and disrupted you know multiple things. But but in the media business, I think you know it has accelerated the way the way we're consuming content. But mm-hmm. not just that. Now, um, since we as we talked about earlier in the conversation, now the walls came down and. And we're watching uh, culturally different things that we would not have been exposed. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that also accelerated that part of um, part of uh, media consumption. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the on the positive news for the- theaters and things like that, there's a huge pent up demand um, for people to now get out of their house and and go back mm-hmm. uh, and have that theatrical experience. So I'm he- I'm hearing from a lot of uh, people in the media. And, and a lot of friends and uh, colleagues 
who are saying that they can't wait for uh, them to get back into a theater and 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 watch a film again. So I think mm. again, it's it's uh, very cyclical. But there's another effect to this. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are probably multiple, multiple, multiple effects. But I'm just talking about a couple of effects that, sure. that could come out of this. So you know, when there's a great event, uh, when, for example, uh, the assassination of JFK, which mm-hmm. is an individual event, or mm-hmm. when there's a you know like World War One, World War Two, mm-hmm. uh, the Vietnam War, right? Or when there is a, a tsunami. Mm-hmm. Uh, when there is uh, like a like a massive earthquake, mm-hmm. sometimes what happens is like those, not sometimes uh, those events usually inspire a uh, lot of storytelling, you know, mm. in different ways. Uh, so we we would see like these big cataclysmic uh, films that are coming out, or you'll right. see you know World War Two films about individual experiences, and and if you that's the greatest example, right? Uh, mm-hmm. World War Two is probably the most told uh, story that we have seen in the last 60, 70 years, but there are still stories that haven't been told and are being told. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think from this, uh, from COVID, I think there's a lot of stories that are going to come out of COVID. That's number one. Right. Experiences of people that they've, Hmm. uh, situations that they were in during COVID is going to inspire stories but as uh, but but then there's also going to be global stories like I mean you know the zombie uh, uh, the zombie film uh, trend that happened in the last ten fifteen years mm-hmm. I mean you know zombie films have been there forever right mm. but but as you saw there were you know a proliferation of those type of content whether it's Walking Dead or you know from Night of the Living Dead's like you know remakes or if you look at uh, uh, games and things like that. Those mm-hmm. were all from the human psyche, the fear uh, of the pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. the ultimate pandemic, right? Uh, a pandemic that, you know, turns humans into zombies, right? right and and right. I think with a travel, with, you know, diseases, you know, we're creating super bacteria, we're creating super viruses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now more than ever, uh, there is a mix of populations globally. Mm-hmm. So storytellers you know uh psychologically they were trying to put in uh interpret it in a manner where they're like hey what if we create a super virus what if there's Mm -hmm. a person who's infected what if that person takes a plane what Mm -hmm. if it lands in new york city and what if he starts infecting people Mm -hmm. you know and and those stories came out and there were realistic ones like contagion or you Mm -hmm. had like fantasy ones like uh the walking dead or world war z or right. um, all those type of films right right so right. so i think us have us going through this pandemic it's almost like uh you know you say art imitating imitating life and life imitating art and i mm-hmm. think in that case what was happening was uh, it was that fear was in the psyche of society and artists were the ones who brought it out and now in a global stage you see it. And, and a lot of people look at contagion and they were like, oh, my God, it's almost like they're predicting it. But prediction is forecasting, right? Forecasting based on conditions that are um, that that you see in the environment and the filmmaker uh, filmmakers were just or storytellers were just part of that. Right. Uh, now, coming back to your question about covid, I think um, 
you know, things like COVID was predicted by filmmakers, but but now because of COVID, uh, the experiences that people went through, um, mm. you know, whether it's uh, being quarantined in a foreign country or stuck in a foreign country or stuck in their home uh, or the things that, you know, the joys they found or the nightmares that they went through. Uh, so there, and, and the mental health issues that, that are, uh, that the globe is dealing with. Um, right. so I think all those things are going to come to the forefront, but there's a secondary aspect to this, uh, because now that they've, um, uh, consumed, you know, these content, the mm-hmm. audience as a whole is going to expect a different thing. So maybe, uh, you know, they want to watch something, you know, cause, cause the global, uh, you know, if you turn on the television, it's all paranoia and uh, fear mm. and, you know, what's right around the corner? When is the next pandemic? You know, so there's a lot of these things. So mm. maybe people want to watch something more positive or or maybe there's going to be a huge explosion of comedies because, mm. you know, people just True. watch something that's light uh, or explosion True. of like these, you know, action films or whatever it is. So so I think. Mm. uh but going back to a global uh, thing, like a storytelling thing, I think, um, you know, every experience that we have individually and every experience we have as a society or mm-hmm. every experience that we have uh, as globally, you know, there's going to be uh, an influence of that uh, into the media. And this is the first time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you look at a tsunami, it affects a part of the globe. If you look at an earthquake, it affects a part of the globe. If you... Right. I have an assassination, it affects uh, a nation or a community, mm-hmm. but a pandemic is global. And I think right. in recent times, this is, a, you know, I may be wrong, but, but in my experience in the last, you know, 30 years or so, this is the first global sort of situation where everyone were in it together. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of things that are going to come out of Absolutely. this of a global um, importance or significant, significance. Yeah. Completely, I guess, completely agree with you on this part, Naveen. Uh, so with this, uh, as as we, we see so many things are changing and people's way of looking at things are also, you know, kind of taking different shape. Uh, what's your, uh, what would be your advice since you've been in this industry for so many years now? Uh, what would be your advice to, you know, to the upcoming storytellers. I'm I'm just defining that. I'm just mentioning the term storyteller. So storyteller could be anyone. They could be belonging to a brand. They could be into filmmaking uh, or, you know, simply a storyteller, you know. So what is your advice? Are there a do's and don'ts in a creative industry or anything could be, you know, as long as it connects, right? Could be, could be right. So what, what you have something to say as a takeaway, Naveen, um, as a parting message to to you know to the upcoming storytellers in this industry overall, I think this is an exciting question, Madhulika, because mm-hmm. uh, it's something that I um, was seeking as an up and coming storyteller okay. filmmaker um, early in my career and continuing to be uh, so. And I've learned from the masters. And one mm-hmm. of the things is um, you know people go for uh, you know the immediate. Uh, you know, a lot of people are born with talent and they can immediately go into right. uh, a visual or, or, a, or a story solution immediately. Right. But I think the overall thing is uh, to nourish uh, your subconscious mind mm-hmm. with great uh, content. So for that, by okay. that, what I mean is 
you know, read, um, you know, great books, whatever that interests you and mm-hmm. just keep nourishing, uh, your subconscious with, uh, with, you know, things that fuel, uh, th- that will ultimately fuel okay. your creativity. That's one thing. Okay. <clears throat> watch. If you're going to be a filmmaker, watch, you know, the greatest films, uh, by the greatest filmmakers and just keep right. doing it without judgment. Just, mm-hmm. just absorb as much as possible. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think listen to great minds. Um, and also, so even though creativity is, um, is, you know, really, um, almost primal, it's all almost natural. Um, mm-hmm. going back to one of your earlier questions, there's also a science to it. Mm-hmm. There is art and then there's the form, right? So right. there's the, so it took me a long time to understand how to harness, how to structure, uh, your creativity. Mm-hmm. So we're all, you know, from a time immemorial, uh, you know, we've been all dealing with stories. So, uh, we've been encoded, uh, uh, with story, t- you know, story as, as we're born, we grow up and things like that. But I right. think what right. it, uh, empowers you further is when you, um, you, you really immerse in these content. And so even now what I do is I try to read as many books as possible, mm-hmm. uh, listen to as many thinkers or thought leaders as possible, watch, uh, you know, whether films from the twenties, thirties or, if there are, uh, made by, you know, the, the newest filmmaker or the newest, uh, content creator out there so that I can keep my, um, creativity updated and, mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. So the more you feed your subconscious, right. the more right. you empower yourself to be able to draw from, uh, when you, when, when you are ready to tell your story. Wonderful, wonderful. These are some amazing tips, uh, Naveen, I think, and they come handy for anyone for that matter uh, to just expand your, uh, you know, thinking pattern and just, you know, go beyond the basics as, you know, we, we have our, our capacity rather. That's that's really wonderful. Uh, so uh, I think uh, some very amazing insights from you, you know, and we kind of really went into this this mode of storytelling, you know, in, in different ways. Uh, thank you so much for uh, being on the show. Naveen, it was amazing to, to have you on Brewing Talks. And uh, I think... Up. Absolutely. And I think one uh, key message to uh, what I also, you know, kind of make out from this conversation is that while time will, times will change and we've seen a lot of changes over the last one year, I think what will remain very, uh, very specific to the idea about storytelling is to be real, to be authentic, to be as credible as possible, because that's how you know, audiences relate to it as, you know, as much as they can. So I guess that's something that I totally take away. So once again, thank you so much and wish you uh, all the very best for your first feature film that's about to be released. Thank you so much, Madhulika, for having me uh, on this conversation. I've had a great time uh, speaking with you. Yep. And I look forward to uh, having more conversations with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. If you have liked this episode, do comment your thoughts or DM us on Instagram at Epilogue Media. Do rate us on Apple Podcast and subscribe to Brewing Talks on Epilogue Media website or your favorite podcast app like GeoSavan, Ghana, Spotify, Apple Podcast so that you get notified when we come next. Stay subscribed. I shall catch up with you in the next episode. Till then, stay creative, stay safe and take care.